What's up, podcast land, and welcome to Over the Top. You know, I don't think we've ever had so much to talk about after just a, a normal match week, but here we are. Uh, Justin, there were major results, major news that has honestly nothing to do with any of the matches themselves, all of which we'll dig into. I'm tempted to talk about it now, but I'm going to hold my tongue. Justin, how's it going, man? I did not think that the week after we... Has it been a week? Yeah, the week after we do our big transfer window extravaganza that this week would be so busy yeah you know i was getting it's gonna be a beefer you know we've missed a few weeks like oh i get to finally analyze games again this is gonna be exciting we can talk about the little uh, you know intricacies and all that no no i mean yeah we'll get to that a little bit but not not off the top here all i'll say the 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 little teaser i'll give is um we debated putting liverpool's result in rapid fire and let's just say it was a significant result. I mean, you probably watched the games and saw it, but that's just, it, it's getting buried. It has to. I'm like an editor at a newspaper. This important story is getting buried because there's just better shit to talk about. Imagine that, like, you know, the magnitude of that game, for example, yeah. that Liverpool game. And it's like page three of this yeah. podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't even get like that you know arrow like the headline more on page a2 not it does right. not even yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hey that's what i'm talking about all right uh papers i used to read them you know i used to mm-hmm. read them when i was little it was so enjoyable to go to the sports section this is like pre you know really yeah. dominant espn.com so this is when like yep. sports center top 10 plays was so anticipated like oh my god you know mm-hmm. uh, when i was little and reading the sports section and such like what looking through all the box scores because at that time i was super into baseball and so like yep. seeing everything and that's oh yeah the newspapers cover it the best with baseball scores all i'll say mm-hmm. is if you haven't picked up a paper in a couple of years you'll be saddened by how small the newspapers are now they're literally like a thin rag now in comparison just because they're just it's all money based <laughs> Sad. They've been ravaged. Yeah. They've been yeah, ravaged. Fortunate. No, no but, but luckily, Kyle, and I know uh-huh. you'll like this. Uh, Twitter is the marketplace of ideas, and you can find <laughs> all real journalism on Twitter now. So there's not really a point for newspapers anymore, you know? You feel me? <laughs> uh yeah, let's 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 move on. Speaking of ravaged, <laughs> uh, kind of like my soul has been ravaged by that last sentence. Um, well, Man City weren't really ravaged, but uh, we, we, I'm not talking about the result. We got to talk about this Man City ruling. I mean, yeah. I wow. Mean, this where, is, where to start, Justin? You know, this is massive. Lay it out for our because I'm I'm sure not many people un- really understand what's going on here. So lay it out for our listeners on what the situation going right. on with Manchester City because we know they're you know money bag team and the empty hot and all sorts of things, but this is major news. It is major news, and uh, don't worry, I'm right there with you with not really understanding what's going on. I'm not a finance head. Uh, numbers are totally foreign to me, and I'd rather write and edit things. So this is going to be a challenge, but uh, pulled up some things. This was, Well, this was a ruling that was announced this morning. I know I woke up to like our group chat of like, holy shit, what's going on? Uh, so the Premier League, not UEFA or FIFA, have hit Manchester City... Um, with uh alleged financial breaches i mean i guess they've officially been charged Mm -hmm. um it's got to go through court and all those things but um the premier league coming out swinging probably the most that we've ever seen i would in our lifetime yeah in our lifetime i mean chelsea had a transfer ban for something involving 
buying youth players. That's the only like serious band like this that I can think of in English football. In Italy, they've got their corruption stuff going on all the time, but <laughs> <laughs> like right now with Juventus, another story for another pod. But um, look, I feel like the best breakdown was from the Men and Blazers popular podcast. They're on NBC Sports and all that. Um, but let's see. I'm just going to read this out word for word because I'll get this wrong otherwise. Um, Manchester City has been charged with breaking the Premier League's financial rules over 100 times between 2009 and the 17-18 season. So what is that? Like nine years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and will now be referred to an independent commission. Yeah, so stuff has got to play out in court. I'm guessing they'll go to the Court of Arbitration of Sport. Um, it's just my guess. Uh, this commission will have the power to order a number of punishments, all right, including a point deduction or even expulsion. Yes, I know. Um, I find that hard. Oh, this is Roger from Ben um, and I find that hard to believe, but the fact the fact it, it is even a possibility shows how strong the Premier League is uh, in coming out against its most successful team, who've won four out of the last five titles. Mm-hmm. FFP rules, which is financial fair play. Uh, rules essentially boil down to you can only spend what you earn. City are said to have inflated revenue while minimizing costs, including player and manager salaries. Roberto Mancini, who's the former manager, for instance, is said to have been paid a secret salary off the books, which... I mean, just think about that. That's for a serious. Second. Oh, that's some shady shit right there. That's beyond what Chelsea have been slapped with or what Man City were even accused of by UEFA like four years ago, which, yes, City have been. That's where this whole thing started. Premier League started investigating as soon as that happened. Anyway, back to the men in Blazers saying all of this is completely and utterly unprecedented. Man City put out a statement in which they denied the allegations and look, quote, forward to this matter being put to rest once and for all, end quote. And then this is like his take. It's funny. Essentially, it seems that Man City's success was allegedly, in all caps, shock and horror. Who knew? <laughs> Propelled by creative accounting. They're essentially part Sam Bankman Freed, <laughs> part Herbalife, part Ponzi scheme football. Um, damn. I mean, what are your main takeaways from? I mean, that, that boils it down pretty well. There's a whole other like deluge of information and things that you probably understand much better than me, but from what we've said right there, I don't know, thoughts, what's going on? Some serious shit, Kyle. I mean, to rumors and smoke for being paying a manager under the table. Yeah, that's serious. That's serious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To lying about revenue numbers, whether that's ticket sales or, you know, tran- you know, their costs as well as you mentioned in there. So like transfer fees, there's rumors that, they would pay teams an additional fee under the table for players. So it didn't look like they were paying as much for players. There, there wow. are a lot of allegations in this and well, you know, more will come out and the truth will come out and that sort of thing, hopefully. But yeah. there, there, there's a lot of serious smoke to this. And if some of these things are true, I mean, it has to be a significant point reduction. Yeah. I would think. Yeah. I mean, expulsion, this is just my take off the bat. That's going to be really hard. And I can't imagine Premier League that. is would survive even a, you know, a Man City relegation. It would, it would go on. But Man City has a lot of fans out there. 
Mm-hmm. And they make the Premier League a lot of money because they're very good. And people want to see Man matter, City. But it shouldn't, it but it does, it right? Does. Like, you know, the Cowboys get eliminated. And, it, and Man City is not the Cowboys, just, you know, just for mm-hmm. revenue purposes. The Cowboys get eliminated from football. It's a big deal, right? So, oh, yeah. Yeah. It, this is really serious. And reading through more and trying to understand what they've done or what they're accused of doing, I... They got away with it two years ago when UEFA ruled that they're not banned from Champions League football. I don't know how the hell, even right. if an ounce of these things are true, they get they get away with anything. Right. Well, kind of like what you're alluding to is like you read more into it. And I was thinking like the, the more you read into it, it's like, oh, they did this and they did this. And it's almost like a a litany of financial uh, crimes, fraud. basically. Fraud. Yeah, it's fraud. Yeah. Yeah, because like financial fair play, look, I've got serious issues with it. It was supposed to be, you know, to prevent wild spending, but we all know essentially it it protects the biggest and most historic I mean, clubs. Look at our last episode. We've covered Chelsea for half the right. <laughs> right, exactly. And weirdly enough, Chelsea are like the only team that have ever been banned that I can think of in in uh <laughs> that have had some kind of ban in um England. Uh, points deduction only comes about when teams go into like administration, uh, right? Which happens yeah. in the lower leagues. Yeah, you know, it's happened almost like Portsmouth, Derby, common. Yeah, Derby yeah, last yeah. year even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, this is really interesting. Um, I mean, there's a lot more to this, but I'll just come out and say it right off the bat. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually skeptical. I, I haven't seen accusations like this this is these are the most serious accusations outside of like corruption and you know italy and eastern europe and things like that but um you know uefa hit city with a similar ban from the champions league for like two years four years ago i think and then after a year or two of working out in court you know that ban was overturned and it's like we've all known that man city was not a major club before it was bought. And if it's really if financial fair play is really based off of revenues and that allows you to spend what you spend then man city, there's no way they can spend all this money that they've been spending on players for years and years. Like every signing they sign is like 40 to 50 million. Um, So I don't know how it's taken this long for them to get in trouble. So I don't know. And then the the source of this is even more bizarre with uh it started out with football leaks which is like some hacker hacked into major clubs <laughs> finances. WikiLeaks, and, it's football leaks. Uh, seriously though. And uh, I mean there's serious stuff in there as well, but you know no one really got a huge slap on the wrist for it. So I don't know, man. I'm skeptical that this is going to go anywhere and we probably won't hear about it again for a number of months, but I don't know. This does feel like it has a lot more smoke to the the smoking gun is more smoking. Does that make sense? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, Pep Guardiola even said as recently as May is that if the club had ever lied to him about <laughs> some of the past, then he would walk away and not deal with this crap, basically, summarized up. And I love to bring up the bookies because it's a funny talking point. The bookies have Pep Guardiola as yeah. an odds-on favorite to not be Manchester City manager by the start of next season. Wow. Like as in he's more likely to not be city manager. Right. For whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. yeah. And I think I was reading uh, in the bookies sack race, quote unquote, like he's or not sack race, but like managers who could leave 
Yeah. For whatever reason, I think he's like third now, mm. which is, geez. I mean, there's probably some overreaction and public bias baked in, but these, some of these allegations, as we've said, are potentially very serious. And yeah. so. Surely Pep, not expulsion. Come I mean, on. Pep, I mean, you know, we'll get to the game, but Pep was bitching about going from Manchester to London and the four and a half hour train ride and getting into the hotel and dealing with that. He's not going to want to deal with this. Yeah. If yeah. he's bitching about something like that. Yeah. Side note, Americans just roll their eyes and laugh at that. <laughs> you know, that's why the USMNT man, uh, rumors are funny with Pep as a sidebar. Imagine him <laughs> like flying from Chicago to freaking Trinidad. Right. Playing a game and then going back up to Minnesota or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Jesus. All the games would be in Miami. I'm telling you. Right yeah, now. pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. But no, this is, I mean, this was uh, quite something to wake up to this morning. Mm-hmm. That's all I'll say. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. This is a breaking news story and like, we'll probably have a lot more to talk about next week. I'm sure. Big seven to big six, Newcastle in city out. There you go. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Right back where city belongs, baby. <laughs> well, I think we've uh, exhausted that probably, but mm-hmm. we're not done with our no. massive, massive episode here. Last week, we were talking about Frank Lampard. And, you know, I particularly, even more than you, was doom and gloom on this Everton team as they've shown very little quality. They didn't invest in the squad, as we've talked about, with not replacing Richarlison or even Anthony Gordon and all these yeah, all these things. They brought in a couple defenders and all that, but we woke up Saturday morning, Kyle. Everton won Arsenal. Last time I checked, top of the table by five points mm-hmm. with a game in hand. Arsenal nil. Mm-hmm. What what a shocking the most shocking scoreline to wake up to. Uh maybe of the season. season. I can think of. Yeah. Maybe of the season. Yeah, the shocking mm-hmm. scoreline. I mean, Sean Dyche, baby. Put some respect on his name. Seriously. Look, we both agreed. Like, as much as we love Bielsa, and we feel the same way, and it would have been interesting. I would have been been more interesting, probably. (laughs) Uh, Sean Deitch was the right move. And it's it's insane. I mean, the whole new manager bounce, that's like a cliche in football and all that. But, like, within, like, days, like, with the snap of the fingers, Everton were suddenly, they had so much shape and we're really a unit in a way that I haven't seen since like Ancelotti probably was manager. Uh, the good old, when James came, the, the good times, the exciting times of Everton. Right, right. Carlo on the sideline with his eyebrow up drinking coffee. I'm just like, I don't know, I miss that dude. <laughs> but no, absolutely right. They had belief, even DCL, Calvert-Lewin, before the game was like, yeah, you know, Sean Dyche has established this belief and culture back in the locker. I'm like, back? Oh, man. Ooh, Frankie. Uh, so that was kind of a damning quote. But more, I think he made it more of the positives of what Sean Dyche has done in his short time there and just what he's doing. Mm-hmm. As we've saw in Burnley, he's he can be very pragmatic and set up yeah. a system that works. And as we said last episode, he far outstayed his welcome with the Burnley talent that they had. Oh yeah. And, and this prep- Everton, yeah. and I've bagged on this Everton talent left and right. They're much better than what he's had at some Burnley squads. Yeah. No oh, big time. Uh, I mean, his best players on Burnley are actually on this Everton team, which I didn't think about actually until he was hired because they've got Tarkowski 
is one yes. of the main center backs, and they've got Dwight McNeil, Dwight McNeil as well. Yeah. Um, and a team that had like zero talent with Burnley, like those were always the two standouts with Ben Mee, probably mm-hmm. that I can think of. Max Cornet was nice last season. Well, uh, uh, well, they got relegated, so nothing. Right, nice. right, right, right. But like you know, I, I was looking at the team because I'm with you. Everton is so lacking in talent, but. It's not exciting, but I looked at this lineup and it just reeked of Sean Deitch and in a good way, though, like their defense has been so bad. But I looked Mm -hmm. at the back line again and it's actually more pragmatic with the back four, which is interesting and can happen. But a center back partnership with Tarkowski and Connor Cody is not terrible. Nope. And. You could do a lot worse. And I know Awobi has been playing centrally, but Awobi and McNeil out wide with DCL up top, like they've been really underperforming, but you could do a lot worse. Like they don't, they're close to relegation level talent, but I don't think they have one of the three worst squads in the league. I, st- I still believe that. And as we said, even as recently as that, their midfield isn't that bad. They're central. I mean, they have Onana, which a player that you and I both like. Yeah, he looks good. Uh, they have Idrissa Ganagwe because he's came back from PSG, and then they he started Dura Corey, which seems like a Sean Dyche player, kind of mm-hmm. just kind of a bruiser in the middle of the field, physical. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised Ducore hasn't been better in recent years. So like that, that's not a bad midfield. Mikolenko's shown flashes, and right Coleman, like they need to upgrade on the right back. Uh, but like, yeah, 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 he's over. He's he's old. <laughs> but like, are you telling me this Everton squad is worse than uh, Southampton or, um, I guess maybe Everton are down there or Burnmouth? Burnmouth, Burnmouth uh, is the worst, probably. Yeah. I mean, I still kind of put Forest down there. I'm not gonna lie. Like Forest, you can sign 30 players, but if you sign 30 average players, uh, uh, Kaylor Navas. Uh, besides, I will say. Um, yeah, anyway, going down this rabbit hole, it's not really worth it, but yeah, back four yet more solid, not a terrible team, but it was this more down to Everton being revitalized under Sean Deitch or weirdly quiet and off kilter by Arsenal. Like what, what is it more of from what you saw? That is such a hard question. I'm going to take the cop-out answer. I think it was the perfect combination of both, really. Mm-hmm. Arsenal were not at their best on Saturday. No question about it. I mean, we've seen them be better in every game this season, even if they lost. So some of that happened, for sure. I think they were frustrated by almost the physical nature of Everton and their super pragmatic style. They just, Arsenal have broken down teams. They've, they've played teams with you know that have sat back and they've destroyed them. They could not get through Everton. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do it. I mean, yeah, they had some shots and all that. Their XG was low. I not mean, really? It was really low. I mean, yeah, they had they had 15 shots, but like XG of less than one, that tells you like what the shot quality right. was, right? Uh, Everton with 1.7 nearly XG. And so, you know, do the math. I mean, Arsenal did have opportunities in this game where they scuffed the shot and whatnot, which leads to low XG and all that. But mm-hmm. like... I was not impressed with Arsenal. No. But I'm not going to be here sitting and making any predictions or no. takeaways, hot takes from this game for Arsenal side. I think it, it it's a long season. Every mm-hmm. team, I mean, what is this? Their second loss or third second loss? Like, yep. shit happens, man. Mm-hmm. They've been 
I mean, they have 50. They've been unbelievable on pace for a hundred points yeah. through the first 19. I mean, insane. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here. I mean, going to the Goodison with a new manager, those Everton fans buzz in the players buzz mm-hmm. in. So yeah, maybe it is a little more of the Everton. I mean, maybe that's mm-hmm. the worst trap game. Arsenal could just fall into. Yeah. Like, I don't think you're ever going to say, Ooh, Everton don't want to play them <laughs> this game though. Uh, very much not that way because, you know, I didn't expect Everton to win, let alone get a result. But I had a feeling like there's going to be a new manager bounce with Sean Dyche. And like if I was Arsenal, I would not want to be playing this game as weird as that sounds. Um, and plus, you said it with the fans, like Everton is some of the rowdiest, best, most passionate, loyal fans, fans yeah. in England. I mean, this is again, we talked about how big they were in the past historically, but major club. So. Where does this all leave us? Um, started the day with the the weekend with the five point gap between Arsenal and City, and that remained at least after this game, um, which I guess will segue. We are going back to Man City, um, this time at Tottenham. Yes, they just played like two, a week and a half ago, but here we go again. This time at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, uh, another eye catching result. Maybe less shocking this season, though, because Man City have done this, but Spurs 1-0 over City. Less shocking than Everton beating Arsenal, yes, 100%. Let's, let's let's start with City, because like I don't want this to become a Tottenham pod and any of that stuff and try to be fair and balanced. Mm, um, but like, I, I try. I want you all to know I at least try, but I always end up talking about Tottenham. I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Um, but Man City... Okay, we talked. This was before any of this news came out, so that was not even a factor in this. But yes, what's going on? They just—it's—it's the most meh under Pep. Besides that first season where they're getting used to Pep, that like I can remember seeing them really. This run of form, yes, absolutely. I don't know. It's—it's almost like they have these amazing players, obviously, but just something isn't quite clicking or gelling, and I—it's hard to put your finger on. Something is stinky over at Manchester City. Mm-hmm. Something stinks. João Cancelo leaving the club, as we talked about. There's some abruptly, I should say. Mm-hmm. Diaz on the bench, Laporte on the oh. bench, Rodri playing the worst game I can ever remember him playing. By the way, right. he had a stink, especially the first he half. Did. It was awful. Get that giveaway. I mean, you you can credit Spurs pressing, and we'll get to that because they they did played well. But Rodri playing terribly. Don't forget, he had a terrible giveaway in the game a week and a half ago. This is true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's probably some form, but he was absolutely atrocious all game. So there's that. Kevin De Bruyne been benched both times playing Tottenham, and he came off the bench in this game. Immediately looked like you know the most dangerous player, but. Mm-hmm. Something's going on, Kyle, and I can't quite put my finger on it. Mm-hmm. I, it's hard not to take over-the-top reactions, but they do not look good right now. Something yeah. the, co- the cohesion is off, something is off, and that's not just because Holland, for the first time all season, didn't get a touch in the box or a shot off. Let's start there. He hasn't had a game without a shot since, I think, 2020. So, wow. what's your take on City, Kyle? I 
you know, you look at their form and it's like, Justin, it's not that bad. They lost United, but they smacked Tottenham in that second half performance. They smacked yeah. Wolves. They beat Arsenal in the FA Cup. It's not that bad. You're being, you yeah. know, you're exaggerating. But I'm, I'm, I'm comparing them to City, City to City. Right. Not, you know, this, that, is, their fourth, this is their fourth loss. And that's un-City-like. Right. Mm-hmm. They're yeah, supposed you, to be impenetrable. I mean, you're right. I mean, that's 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 an important thing. Like we're we're comparing it to other city teams and how city have been like literally consistently for the last five years. And I mean, they they're always such a well-oiled machine. Beyond just it's not just like you buy the best players and then your team is good, but like the movements, everyone knows exactly where they're going, and it's all so fluid and. The, the main thing that stuck out to me, I mean, one, Spurs defended really well, mm-hmm. um, but I'll put that to the side because it's about City. But I was watching this game because the entire time I was thinking Holland is just going to eat Dyer's lunch. Like, it's going to happen. <laughs> and I was watching his movements, and he was making these good movements to, like, decisive sprint movements in the box to go for, like, a near post header. And every time a City player turned down the opportunity to you know, hit a pass or a cross longer than like 10 yards. And it was almost like watching Brighton under Potter in a sense, sometimes where it's like pass, Oof. pass, pass to death without like that, that cutting edge, which is bizarre to say of city. And it's just like, I feel like, I mean, I've seen stuff like Jamie Carragher saying, uh, Holland has made the wrong choice, which I think is, by the way, is say. that the stupidest comment it, that you've heard all weekend? Like, right. He, he shouldn't have come to city off of one game. How many goals? I'm sorry. Doesn't he have like right. 25 goals in the premier yeah. league or something crazy? Which like is that? like, I'm w- sorry, which we've like never seen, but okay. I I'm going to do, I'm going to be devil's advocate here. Sure. And like one, that's a crazy statement. I don't agree with it, but two, I see like the essence of where he's coming from though. And it's because like, it's a style of play thing, mm. but Obviously, if you're a striker like Holland, you're you're gonna get chances like put on a plate. But it's like this was my concern at the beginning of the season before he did scored all the goals, and he probably will score a boatload again. And I have no worries about that. But Holland likes to play in space. Put the ball in front of him, and he will destroy. They don't put the ball in front of him enough, and I don't think this like iffy form will continue. But it is just a clash in styles, and that's all I'm saying. So like. I still think it's a crazy statement, but I kind of see what he's trying to say. But he tries to ratchet up their rhetoric so he gets more clicks, I'm sure. But, you know. Well, I guess do you have faith in City to put the players out there again that would find and would make those passes to find Holland in space? Like, we've seen Kevin De Bruyne do that all season. But besides that, it's been here and there. Right. It's like I I could see, uh, like, I don't think Grealish, uh, who I think actually had a good game, I don't mm-hmm. think his style or Mara's style mesh well with Holland, but like you've got KDB, you've got Bernardo Silva, uh, Phil Foden can lay on an assist as well. So I'm not worried about that, but like I do think style wise, Holland probably would fit better with like a 10 hog system. That, that's all like or, Barca, or, even, for example. or even Tottenham, right? Is that where you're no, <laughs> Barca, for example? Like, I don't see him as a Barca player. Madrid, though, 100%. You see what I'm saying? I don't know. It is, a, it whatever. It's a stupid statement that character. Yeah, made we anyway, probably but... spent too time, too much time on yeah. it. He has 25 goals. Let's, I don't, I don't think Holland's sitting there regretting his decision. 
or no. his paycheck. And that wasn't the reason why they lost the game either. I mean, look, no. mistakes in the game. Um, Dyer was pressing high. Interesting tactics. But look, more than anything, probably, I mean, this was, let's be honest, this was Spurs literally first good full 90-minute performance of the season. That was like, as a Spurs fan, that was my, I've never seen a full 90 minutes all season. Nope. And it was good throughout. So we're in February and it happened, but whatever, it finally happened. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, it could be one of two things. A, they finally started like, this is what, yes, I was like so happy watching this game. And it's like, we've seen this for one half every game. And finally we see it for two. They have good pressing, good spacing, good movement, good passing, great counterattacking. Like there was one that they had, they should have scored. I think like Kane was making a run into the box and barely missed him and the whole thing uh, off of a sun run. But mm-hmm. where has this been? I know. And you're not even coming at this as a fan. Like, cause I've had other, like my friends who like other teams have been like want, wanted Spurs to beat like city a week or two ago. And they're all like, God, Spurs are frustrating as shit. And I'm like, I know they are. Cause like, <laughs> you don't have to be a fan to know. Why can't you put a full 90 together? Anyway, whatever. But the game plan was sound, right? I mean, they pressed, they made the defenders uncomfortable, the midfielders uncomfortable to make errant passes. I met Rodri already. That was off Spurs press. There's a reason why Rodri made those ugly passes and those ugly giveaways, right? It's not just because he's standing with the acres of space making terrible passes. Rodri probably would never do that, honestly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the game plan was sound and the individual performances were excellent. Mm-hmm. Some that I think are underrated. Number one, you're going to hear about Harry Kane, 267 goals, I believe. Yes. Oh, we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously that gets the headlines, right? And uh-huh. deservedly so. This is a guy that was behind like Roberto Soldado at one point. Let's remember that. <laughs> Emerson, right back. Yeah, dude. We, I still believe he will be shit going forward for this club <laughs> under a five wing back system. He had an excellent game. And this is to say, I thought, like you said, I agree with you. I thought Jack Grealish played well. I don't understand mm-hmm. the discourse that he did. He played well. It was Emerson a great battle. Some honestly. Last ditch tackles to save the day. Honestly, it was a great battle. And it was almost like the, both Emerson and Grealish recognized, like it didn't get too he It was heated, but like, it was like respectful heated. It was almost some like good, game, there was some good banter there. I think game recognized good. game. And like, I think both of them enjoyed it, you know? Although Grealish was fouled how many times in this yeah, game? Like, like seven God. or something. <laughs> uh, and Grealish, he does look for it sometimes, but like you, uh, fouled, there was there was fouled. a target. There was a you're target. Fouled, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Emerson, obviously Kane, but the one that I mentioned to you pre-show that I think is underrated, not talking, not talked about, and because we haven't seen this form in a while, is Pierre Emil Hoiberg. I think he was mm-hmm. excellent this game. He was. Um, and less of a six and more of an eight, to be honest. He, I thought he was box to box, making things happen, running up, pressing, making decisions, finding himself in shooting situations. That, like, I've seen a little bit of this from him, but I want to see more. Yeah, I actually think it's more of, I mean, because I think a lot of people think he's a defensive center mid because of how Mourinho played him. But right. I think, you know, he was an attacking center mid as a young player at Bayern. And, and mm-hmm. for Denmark, he's always played that, but... I think he's best in the box to box. He's not the most technical player on earth and he'll have games with bad passing, but 
he's all energy all the time. Um, good at everything, but a master of none kind of thing. Ooh. Um, but like, yeah, he's, this was a classic Hoybeer performance and you're right. We haven't seen it in, in a while. I mean, I would go as far as to say, look, it, I don't know why this isn't even in the notes, but I don't know how Spurs or City's bogey's team, bogey team, but like <laughs> City literally has not scored a single goal in the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and it opened. Isn't that a wild stat? It's just crazy. Like five L's. It's like one o two o one o two o one o something like that, right? It's like, Against yeah, these Spurs defenses, really, you know, it's bizarre. But um, you know, in a lot of those games, City was a better team, and Spurs got lucky. I didn't feel that way about this game. I actually oh. go as far to say it was a deserved win. And I thought the Spurs were the better side and the stats besides possession, which you'll always get against city. The stats bear that out. I wouldn't say like for the they, most part, they wholeheartedly like dominated. No, they didn't the dominate. win mm-hmm. because I mean, what Mares hit the post and there was a couple chances. I mean, I, they deserved the result. I'll, I'll say that they, they played mm-hmm. extremely well. Um, no, but they like limited, they limited city to that, like one Mara's chance. And, and besides and, and that city like, had a couple, they were right putting on the pressure late, but most of the game, it was pretty controlled. Like I think um, of who, besides the Mara's crossbar, what, who else had the best chances? I only think of Spurs players, which is weird. Like there was a header. From Davies, I was close. Kane, that was it. Okay, so Kane you're, was, you're, you're looking at through. it from the Spurs lens, though. Okay, the but like, okay, but what did City do? Besides, like, seriously, like, okay, there was great defending from Spurs, but like, there weren't any other moments where I was like, wow, City should have scored that. Which and I think Rodri had a free game. shot on the top of the box that he kind of. I mean, that was better chance than Davies for sure. Um, sure, but like Kane has slipped through one on one, and Ederson makes a good save. Like, I would say that's a better, you know. That's about, I, I agreed with you there. Yeah, that was well, a better. I think Spurs having 1.4 XG and City having 1.3, like that's fair. It felt pretty even, but I thought Spurs edged it, I guess is what I'm saying. Do- didn't dominate. But... D- D- they dom- They were the better team more of the game than City was. Yeah. City had like, you know, hot flashes, right? Where they put it, turned it on for, you know, a few minutes. And then at the end of the game, for sure, they were really pressing. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Spurs, this is the best performance bottom you know right start to end that we've seen um a couple concerns still i mean oh yeah there always are <laughs> romero red I know, I know, well, Rom- yeah he's a i mean he is that's what you know what you're getting right i love that dude. <laughs> I mean, i'm not gonna lie um you, you if he's on your team you love him if he's on your like if you're an arsenal fan you probably hate him right you know it's mm-hmm. kind of like one of those things mm-hmm. son kyle yeah i mean i understand he wasn't as bad he was better but yeah for a team that's fighting for a champions league place he isn't he's not good enough he or he hasn't been good enough at least i won't go as far to say he isn't good enough but he has not been good enough this season is that is that a hot is that i don't think that's no no like uh around seven like you're right i thought this was actually one of his best performances which says a lot about his level this year but around like 65, 70 minutes, I was like, you got to bring on Richarlison or Dan Juma. Like, I don't know. Like, it was the time to like take it to the next step. And I think they could have scored a second goal. But yeah. whatever. Well, yeah. especially when City's, you know, pouring more numbers forward and you get a fresh legs on to try with the counter and all that. But 
Yeah, I mean, this is just back to my Trossard winning bet over Dan Juma, you know, but neither yeah. here nor there. I mean, it's it's a good bet. And I mean, Trossard's done in the Premier League. Dan Juma has not. But uh, last thing I'll say before we get on to the last topic, um, you said something to be funny off air about like, watch them go lose at Leicester. And that's funny <laughs> because I'm like, Justin's spoken like a true Spurs fan, <laughs> which you're not, but like, you know, we've watched, we've done the pod for long enough and you've watched Spurs closely enough over the years to know like that very well could happen. And this could either just be yet another like, oh, inconsistent nonsense, or this could be a catalyst. I don't know. I mean, Spurs don't really have any serious injuries. Um, that I looked at the bench going into this game and I was like, there are options. Could not say that earlier this year. And like, they just went through their really difficult patch. And I think the only top six side they play for the rest of the season now, I think is that I think they have to play Chelsea and United again. And I, I believe that's it, which First is kind of, kind of, yeah, they've played, maybe they have to play Liverpool again. I think they have to play most of them, right? I mean, they've played most teams once. They played Arsenal twice. They played city twice. Uh, they play. Yeah, they Chelsea play Liverpool. Twice. They play no, Liverpool end of April. They go to Anfield. Chelsea's the only one in the next like month or two. Uh, that's like a big six, historic mm-hmm. big six clash because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Chelsea's in like ninth. Yeah, so they play United and Liverpool back to back. Like basically, their schedule January was ugly. Like it was a <laughs> tough games. Um, and it's looking a lot better. Um, schedule wise. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I. Look, I wouldn't be shocked if they just hey, you know what? flip up though, you know. Their odds are better. You know, I said they wouldn't they probably wouldn't win more than one of their next four games four weeks ago, and they've won two. You know, they've yeah. they won at Fulham and they beat City. So this is better than my expectations. So yeah. if they can if big if they can continue this type of performance and build on this, then I'm very positive on Tottenham. Mm-hmm. But I'm not ready to proclaim that because yeah. like I told you before the pod. I almost <laughs> expect them because it's going to be a very different game because Tottenham yeah. is going to be controlling the ball and Leicester are going to be counterattacking. Yeah. With Madison and Tielemans and their new player, um, Tete. Tete looks good. He looks good yeah. in his debut. Yeah. And he Harvey Barnes. And, yeah. you know, so totally different game. So yeah. if Spurs can do it then, then I'm going to feel pretty good because that's two I- vastly different styles. I hate that I agree with you. I'm like, yeah, they totally could do that. Anyway, I know this isn't a Spurs pod, but like this is important, but I'll try to keep it short because it's more relevant to Spurs fans. Uh, Well, one, okay, relevant to everyone else. Harry Kane, the goal he scored in this game is his 200th in the Premier League. That puts him, he's, Harry Kane is alone with Wayne Rooney, who has like 205 or something like that, Premier League goals, and Alan Shearer, who has like 260-something and that's it. No one else besides those three have more than 200 Premier League goals. And, uh, you know, Justin, I, I'll never forget going to see Spurs with my dad and grandfather in 2014, Kane's like debut year. And these season ticket holders, like old North London, like Jewish dudes in front of us were like, you know, I hate to say it, but Harry Kane will never be good enough for the Premier League. I will never forget that because. Oh, man. I never could have ever imagined 200 Premier League goals um, and arguably even crazier. Um, so Spurs record goal scorer has always been Jimmy Greaves 
won England's most legendary strikers, 267, 266 goals for Spurs, and Harry Kane broke that in this game. So he's their leading goal scorer. And this, all I will say is this is a record that Spurs fans never, ever, ever, ever thought would be broken. And it's, um, I don't know, from the least expected source. And so I don't know, man. Is he still a one season wonder? <laughs> Remember when that was a uh, thing for like five years? Five years. <laughs> oh, Kyle Spurs crazy through and through. Uh, no, crazy. I mean Harry Kane is terrific. I mean he has been for a long time. And app right as soon as he broke the record, all I see on Sky Sports is like he's going to need to leave to win trophies, and I'm like, God, no other club is covered like that. It's it's bullshit. I'm sorry, but whatever. All right, I'm done. I'm done with Spurs. Um, I don't know if that's false though. Yeah, I know, I know. But like to say that on the record-breaking day, no other club. I, be, I, yes, yes. No 100%. other club would be covered that way. It's it's I, straight disrespect. I'm I, sorry, I, but it's not I, I understand that. I understand that. The thing is, is like if he does, in fact, renew his contract and stay at Spurs and be a lifer. I mean. He's 29 still. I mean, he's going to break mm-hmm. the record by sheer for sure. You would, he I mean, stays barring, in England. That's what I'm saying. Barring some extreme injury and whatnot. Like, right. He has that's many, why, when, he has that's why when people are like, oh, Byron wants him. I'm like, he's going to want to break the record. He's not going abroad. If he goes anywhere, I think we all think United is the one that makes sense. Let's be honest. Hey, if he goes to Byron, he's winning trophies though, Kyle. <laughs> Great. Mia San Mia, as they say. Uh, I just puked in my mouth. If, oh, yeah. if you know, if you've listened a long time, you know I'm a Dortmund fan, so it doesn't, you know, it doesn't sit well. We need to talk after the after this pod. I'm like, what? Why are you saying a Byron chant or any, whatever? <laughs> Unfortunately, now we have to bring the mood mood a little bit down from Kyle's like Tottenham highs to we have very sad news regarding Leeds and American manager Jesse Marsh. Uh, you know, Justin, after they lost to to Nottingham Forest 1-0 in a mm. game that they probably should have won. They had missed chances. Kaylor Navas had a great debut. Um, you texted the group chat after the game. I think Marsh is gone. Um, and me and our buddies, we were like, that's kind of crazy and seems super harsh. Well, your intuition was dead on because he was actually sacked today on Monday. So the American experiment did not really end well. Justin thoughts. I was talking about this in a couple of group chats and one of them said that he expected Marsh to not be managing for this man United game midweek. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I think, I think I had him on a ramen meter of a nine after that Nottingham game, which means he could be fired at any moment pretty much. But I didn't, I expected it after the United game. I didn't think before, because if you look at what happened, what's happened here, they just finished the transfer window. He brought in the players he wanted, one from the Bundesliga, a league he just coached before moving to Leeds, and Weston McKinney, an American player. And a right? Salzburg outside back, his former uh, club. Correct, <laughs> yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. Even furthering my point, right. right. So you back a manager, and to sack him after one game with his new players is extremely harsh. Mm-hmm. But that said... You look at where they are at the table. They're tied for 17th, 18th with Everton, 18 points. Their form has been abysmal. We've said this multiple times, and 
We've used this for some clubs in the past that, hey, they played really well. They should have won, but they didn't. That's happened too many times with Leeds, mm-hmm. to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. I'd go as far as say like the the uh, the end of the Bielsa era was a mess and it just seemed like the players were burnt out. And I feel like since then, the performances have really improved. And Jesse Marsh has talked about this a lot in his post-match press conferences, but uh, the results didn't. And what, they're in 17th right now? Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah, just on goal difference. Um, and that's probably where they deserve to be based on what we've seen. Um, and that's with Rodrigo having by far his best lead season, who's injured long term, by the way. And that's a big, big, big problem because Bamford so probably is, early April, they're saying now because Bamford is not it. Even when he was on his hot, hot form. Um, look, I knew Bamford is a guy who was out on loan from Chelsea for like 10 years and never cut the mustard and was always glass boy. And that's exactly what we're seeing again. Unfortunately, he had one and a half, I think really pretty, really good seasons. With yeah. Leeds. He scored like 17 Premier League goals. Yeah. Year that it's came a out. very good year. Bizarre. <laughs> but just watching, I mean, missed chances, bad touches, bad intuition. By the way, just going back to that Harry Kane goal for a second. If you're a kid, which you're probably not, if you're listening to this podcast, that is textbook striker movement, by the way. Mm-hmm. The way he yeah. never turns away, which I mean, both you and I have done, it's just natural just to run and like find me. But the way he never turns his body away, he back backpedals and then moves forward towards the goal. That is just textbook movement. Yeah. And if you just want to get better at soccer, just watch that goal and try to make those types of movements because that's how you score a lot of goals. Anyway, it, it's a simple thing that people don't notice. And like, I don't know, I see myself as a good midfielder, but like, movement as a striker completely foreign to me it's just not intuitive and you're right like he doesn't sprint forward or move forward he actually like opens up his body and then moves to the side and that Mm -hmm. opens up all the space for a one-touch finish you're right it's it's positional awareness to like iq level a thousand right it's you know growing up playing striker i used to think about some of those things and then transitioning to midfielder more of my later high school career and ever since like I now I you know I'm asked like because I used to be fast like go play forward and I'd have just such like terrible movement I'm like why am I so I used to be so much better it's like little things like that it doesn't matter sometimes how fast you are or athletic right. like that just creates so much space for you and it's just it's just a joy to watch so anyway transition to Patrick Bamford which some announcers have been told to act like he's the next Terry Kane and he's like old no he's bad he, mm-hmm. he is not the solution and so I don't know. I know Leeds is injury ravaged. You know, they don't have a lot of options at strikers. They have to do something else because this isn't the answer. Well, having having two strikers alone is is risky. And ask Tottenham and Chelsea fans about this, and they will tell you, yeah, you should probably have a third striker. And for for uh Leeds to rely on Rodrigo, who's not a sole striker anyway, mm-hmm. and Bamford, who is literally made of glass. I just can't believe they didn't sign a striker over the over the window. Nice. Ah, just... Isn't it amazing that they're the same age too? Bamford and Kane. Anyway. Yeah. Um, they signed Ruter, who I mentioned, the German who they bought from Hoffenheim, I believe. I, Isn't he I, like a wide player? I mean, you know better. He's, he, yes, he can also play like center forward, oh, right? Okay. But that relies on someone else being like a striker or another partnership, right? So I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, it depends, obviously, who they hire. And of course, Leeds, Leeds fans are like, uh, <laughs> in the comments, they're like, "Oh yeah, Pochentino or Tuchel would be perfect." I'm like, "Oh yeah, Jokes. for sure." Jokes. Yeah. 
I'll hire a championship manager or some from Spain. Watch. Yeah, so you're, you're well, you're alluding to the West Brom manager as you educated me pre-show. Um, well, you know, they're a director of football, Spanish, and he has a good eye for talent up and coming. And like, I could see him hiring like an up and coming Spanish manager from La Liga or something too. You know what I mean? So Yeah, but they need to figure it out fast, right? You know? Yeah. Well, it's uh, hard to know because like their defense is just not good enough. Mm-hmm. And they also struggle to score goals. But there's a lot of good... <laughs> play in between and it's just like well what are you going to do be hard to beat that defense isn't good enough for that but you're going to struggle for goals too so it's a weird conundrum that they're in 100 percent. so yeah usmnt players oh. still abound you know maybe they get greg berhalter he's available yeah <laughs> speaking of usmnt um there's been a a hype train running on the Twitterverse and for most American fans, myself included, uh, that look, Berhalter, not my big, I'm not his biggest fan. You could say that lightly um, or shout it from the rooftops, but like now the USMNT hype train with Jesse Marsh, it's, it's going to be real. Mm. And before I didn't want to see it happen because I want to see Jesse be a success at Leeds, but now that he's out of work, I'm like, we, we got to make this happen, boys. Come on. Do you think that's the best option? I, I'm not asking that because I disagree. I'm just, I'm curious. Do you think that's the best option the USMNT could take no. going forward into 2020? Who do you think would be the best option? I or say no. Option? I think he's one of the best options as a manager, period. But like, there's something that there's a big difference with international and club management. Yes. And I think that difference is important important and i would want to go for a proven international manager you know so that's where my head is let's bring in luis enrique or something uh yeah not gonna happen um i don't know i don't know who the best option is well we know the u.s federation is kind of in shambles right with all the recent reina and mcbride high high school drama high school drama essentially so what the U.S. has, the U.S., I don't want them to rush into it, I guess. They have time. There's no reason to rush. We just finished right. a World Cup. There's nothing, I mean, I guess there's a Gold Cup. There's nothing major happening this summer mm-hmm. that matters, right? Mm-hmm. Let's take our time. Let's find the best manager. If it takes till June, let's take it till June. I don't right. want to go beyond that necessarily, but let's not rush into the a manager. No. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Because I want them to coach, you know, there's 2024 Copa America is going to be in the U.S., it's going to be very exciting. Very good for this team. Yeah. Yeah. It's just this weird balance. I, I really don't know who the best option is, but it's this balance of like, I want someone who's proven in international management or just like works in international management, but also someone who like understands the f- soccer culture in the U S and like where the, pl- I want someone who would know, like got to see the, you know, in Germany, the children of American servicemen won, which Klinsman did. Two, we need to recruit out of Liga Mekis. Like, I don't know why we haven't done that harder. There are tons of tons of dual national players. We got we gotta do that. So I want someone who understands that they might need to look at that as well. But we'll see who that is. You know who's killing it in La Liga of all leagues is Luca de la Torre. Mm, who's he playing for again? Celta Vigo or something like that? That's, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. I just looked at his stats the other day. I'm like, wow, he's actually doing pretty well. Good for him. All right. We've avoided it. 
Wolves three, Liverpool nil. And this was a game that was going to be rapid fire initially, but I brought it out. And 50 minutes in, and we're only just now talking about this. Let me let me remind viewers of our score in case they or listeners of our score in case they forgot. Wolves three, Liverpool nil. Wolves have not scored three goals all season. And that's an exaggeration, but it's essentially true. I I mean, is it an exaggeration? Oh, I, mean, I, I meant like I don't know. Yeah, in a game, probably not. <laughs> I mean, in like three years, have they scored three goals in a game? I fuck, I don't know. Yeah, including that game. That that brings them up. They went from twelve to fifteen. That was like twenty five percent of their goal. Twenty percent right. of their goal total. Oh. Damatrari even got an assist. Now that's some. So here's the thing. You know, Wolves. I think are on the up. They have Lopetegui. Both of us love the hire. They good we, we we've never talked about Wolves seriously being relegated. Neither you or I. Because they have more talent than Everton. Let's just full stop. Yeah. Oh, easily. Don't think wolves are like good, but like they should be comfortably 14th or something yep. by the end, by all said and done. Liverpool, Cody Gakbo in the winter. In this game, they have Cody Gakbo, Darwin Nunez, and Mohamed Salah, like who's been all world player since he arrived at Liverpool in 2018. No questions asked. Mm-hmm. There's a lot wrong with this club right now. Mm-hmm. And we can blame, you know, Sadio Mane leaving. That's a huge impact. The pressing ability, it all starts at the front with Klopp's philosophy in this Liverpool team. I get all that. But when you can't defend a simple ball over the top or your midfielders, yeah, midfield is not revered. And these center backs are slow and all sorts of, you're not overcoming that. It's crazy that we're saying that with the back line with Van Dyke because he has lost. I mean, he didn't play in this game, but he's like, oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, Joe, Joe Gomez and Matip. Okay, another thing. Gomez those, is pacey too. It's weird. Th- those two players aren't good in possession either. And so when you're pressed, huh, they do a Liverpool to a Liverpool. It's not like they can build out and play fast. So yeah, I don't, I, I was higher on Liverpool. I, I flipped a switch after watching this. I, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things they need to address. There's there's the other superstition. It's Klopp seven season syndrome. Right. We saw it mines my team Dortmund. We saw that as well, where Dortmund even filed for Bundesliga two registration because they were scared that they're actually get. It's a whole thing. Yeah, we wow. get into it, but they were scared Shit. to be relegated. Yeah. Well, I remember uh, their former keeper Weidenfeller like talking to the fans who were like, like foaming at the mouth mad at the Stormin team that's that's what i remember of klopp's last year and it was like credit to them for wanting to go over to talk to the fans and klopp did too but like jesus it was i mean you think at anfield is an atmosphere go to dortmund for a game you know but yeah it's like a bigger anfield anyways it's not an exaggeration anyways because if to liverpool specifically there are so many problems all over the pitch that i'm convinced kyle and i don't know if this is a hot take I don't necessarily think they need to rebuild. They need a reload. I think the squad in its current construction is run its course. Mm. So what, what do you mean? What, what does reload mean to you? Well, so I'm not going to say a rebuild because that implies years of trip. I think they could buy a few players. And so that's like the reload and get rid of a few players and be good mm. again. Because okay. I don't think they have to go through a period of struggle like they did when Klopp got there where they had to fight in Europa League and then mm-hmm. finally make it to the Champions League and then win a bunch of trophies. Yeah. I think they could win trophies again, but not with this current squad. 
And yeah. another, th- so uh, I'll let you talk. I have another point, but go ahead. No, no, go for it. I want to hear your thought. My other thought is that they can't keep continuing playing like they're the Champions League winning team from 2019. Their team isn't good enough. I think they have to go back to fucking basics. Mm. Maybe they can't press as high. Maybe they need to uh, solidify a line of confrontation and, you know, get build from the defense back up. And that sounds crazy for Liverpool. But if you look at some of their recent results, as we did before the show, Kyle, 3-1 to Brentford, 3-0 to Brighton, 3-0 to Wolves. Like, these are not, like, top-tier. I mean, Brighton maybe this season. But these are not top-tier teams they're losing to. That's three out of that is actually three out of the last four results, like dead on. And in the middle of that, they tied a terrible at the time Chelsea team nil nil too. So like I, I and think I got saw something, waxed by Brighton in the FA Cup too, but sorry. Right. And I, I think I saw something since the new year. It was like a table of the Premier League since the new year began. Liverpool is in last place with one point. Mm. And it was a draw against Chelsea. So yeah, I I don't know, man. Like, I was really surprised on the NBC stream or on the channel when they Rebecca Lowe has her lowdown thing and they asked, will Klopp be manager next year? And she said, no. And I was, I can't believe we're here, but I like see where she's coming from because I don't, I, I just think it's headed in a direction, especially with, Fenway Sports Group trying to sell the club. Key point here. Yes. That's I I think they're afraid to spend money with the and I I totally get that, but like they're at a point where like I would go as far to say I think some of their great players who have brought this club great things don't fit the system anymore with their age. Like I basically don't think Sala, I know this will be controversial because Sala is like God for many, but like I don't think he can play the Klopp system anymore. I just don't. Your DMs are going to be flooded after that one. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. But our... it's not that far off. I mean, I, as you know, I didn't, I didn't agree with you as the season started. You kind of had this take that Salah was a little too revered. Not as extreme as you just said right there, but like, I don't know about Salah at the very beginning of the season. You said that. And on top of that, like, you know, there's been a growing growing pains for Darwin Nunez, which is normal. And then Sadio Mane isn't in the mix. And then, like, the midfield is like, I don't and know. And it's not just the attack is. because they've scored goals. I mean, yes, they had the nine goal. But even if you take that out, it's not their biggest problem. It's this liver, as we've said all season, this Liverpool team used to press well, which they don't now. Their midfield and defense were elite and they're far from it now. When you, I mean, you can't just blame the Sadio Mane if you can't defend far post. Right. Like, right. Has nothing to do with Salah, Mane, any of that stuff. Darwin right. Nunez missing chances. <laughs> right. So there's just problems everywhere. And like it's you just, brought, you brought up the yeah. the owners. I mean, why? I mean, just business sense. It wouldn't make sense to invest so much to the squad right yeah. as you're trying to sell it. And they've been fantastic. I don't think any Liverpool supporter would say they've been anything but a fantastic ownership group since they've come in. They've, you know, took this team from kind of bottom of the basement for a Liverpool history, recent Mm -hmm. history. Oh, and for what they bought the club for to like make a huge profit, like under a billion, I think, which is crazy to think. Yeah, they won won Premier League, won a Champions League, made another Champions League final, all the things. Right. I mean, one point in a couple of Premier Leagues from winning 
but here's the deal look where the premier league is going i mean united with their owner i mean city with their fraud ownership group you have newcastle who dwarfs every ownership group i mean the money keeps going and going and maybe they just realize they can't compete anymore with that yeah maybe that's why newcastle's also been kind of, kind of measured with their purchases or something maybe they're actually following the rules saudi's following the rules no way uh but anyway uh <laughs> It's weird. I don't know. If is there a silver lining for Liverpool fans? I think yes, because I think they'll have to sell one or two big assets to generate funds. But like this team needs a big center back signing, I think. Like elite center back signing, elite center mid signing. And I think what I think this team is missing is the spine now. Mm-hmm. And that's asking a lot because Jude Bellingham will not be cheap. One. Well, they're as we said last week, they're plus. they're really mortgaging some of their transfer strategy that they're going to get Jude. I yeah, mean, that's, I, that's I think that plan. is the only reason why they didn't sign a center mid this year. I mean, you can't. People have been like, "Oh, well, Arthur might come back," and like, I wouldn't. Arthur, I wouldn't, even if he was breath. healthy. <laughs> yeah. Um, what a situation, man. But, but yeah, it, you're right. Bad. I mean, yeah. it's bad. They're tenth. They're tenth. They're tenth, and it's. Look, I gave them decent shot to win the champ or not to win the Champions League to make the top four. Uh huh. Yeah, like Chelsea yeah. looks more likely. I mean, that yeah. is a stretch too. It's like, well, th- well, I, I mean, like we'll probably talk about Chelsea a little bit, but I feel like Chelsea is in the shitter right now. But like, I, I think they're. Well, actually, I haven't seen them put the pieces together yet, but they seem closer to putting the pieces together. Whereas Liverpool is literally like trying to fix things with all thirds of the pitch, that's a problem, and that's hard to do midseason. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah, we even forgot to put Chelsea in the in the notes. Yeah, they tied nil nil against Fulham. Very boring game. Nothing. But, really I mean, that's just, what exemplifies Chelsea season more than a nil nil game? I mean, yeah. yeah, they cannot score for the life of them. And as more games go on, the more I'm convinced it's Graham Potter. And it's totally not fair, but it's it's just I know like what you're saying though. I mean, like, what the f- is happening? Yeah. And I get like you know Kai Havertz, right? Like, yeah, I think personnel does not help. Long term solution for sure. Yeah. That can't be as a striker. I mean, does Lukaku come back in the summer? Who knows, right? That but, would be spicy. <laughs> different manager now right so it could be totally different situation mm-hmm. could he does he want to stay inter it was not a man it was not a, not even a buy clause was included yeah. in that loan contract so i and like Bobby looks like a dead player looks dead yeah. uh but Chile, i like it like he, good. he's promising like yeah. it's not all bad with chelsea but they can't so enzo was really good in his debut against fulham if, yes he's he one was. of their standouts and uh this is kind of i know they spent a lot of money on mudrick but if I was a Chelsea fan, clearly I'm not, but like I would give a 22 year old player from the Ukrainian league more time. Like Are I wouldn't expect him, him to off because be, be no, great. no, no, no. It's just like people expected him to hit the ground running. I wouldn't do that. I would expect Enzo to hit the ground running instead. You know what I mean? And Badi yeah, Chile, I, mean, I think will play a lot. Yeah. Which is interesting because they've spent big money uh, for Fofana. And yeah, I know he's he been hurt? injured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but yeah. like they spent big money on him, and you know Tiago Silva too. Kulabali, he's not he's not Tiago Silva. Tiago Silva is great to have on your squad. I mean, he has another year left in him probably, but like 
What Rolls if, Royce is the best description of. I mean, he's thirty eight. He's thirty eight. Cut. I mean, what a fantastic. I have no like. What a fantastic player. But just to be able to like transition to the Premier League like that, because like Koulibaly was one of the most the hottest center backs in the world and, for like three years. That name though, like and Koulibaly. big and dominant and physical, and he, somehow he struggled in the Premier League. Thiago Silva, who's very like a not. Premier League style center back, easy as butter. You know what I mean? How like how suave and smooth is Thiago Silva? Yeah. Like just so cool and yeah. collected. On I know he's had mistakes, but just overall general play has been. They stick out as so bizarre because he never and makes. When mistakes. did he come from the to the prem? When he was like thirty five or thirty six? Yeah. Like not as. But prime. I mean, this he's been doing this for like fifteen years. Like he was. Cool as ice at PSG uh, and Milan. He was super casual at Milan. Yeah, yeah. it's just he's a great center back. Oh, but... Yeah, I can't say enough good things, but I mean, you look at Chelsea's wealth of attacker. Sterling doesn't have the business. He's not a striker. Havertz isn't a natural striker. Mudrik, I mean, he came off injured. Who knows? But Matuweke, he's a wide player. You know, like looks pretty good. Yeah, he's say. promising, but like he's not a striker. Yeah. No, yeah, they have like 10 wide forwards and two strikers who are like that, basically. Mason Mount just frustrates the hell out of me sometimes. So, you know. That's why I said if I was in English, if I was English, I would not start Mason Mount. No way. Over Foden? No, nah, get out of here. Over Sokka? No way. So anyway, uh, I think, you know, we make fun of a local team that I can't really talk about given my position all the time for some of their chance, but... Maybe Chelsea need to adopt a score a goal chant. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, let's leave that one there because I won't I won't yeah, anyway. We'll leave that yeah. one. <laughs> uh rapid fire, truly now. Uh Lester four, Villa two. Lester four. Whoa. They're As you mentioned earlier. Around, you know? Tete. T- I mean, eh, I wouldn't go that far yet, but Tete looked good though. I will agree with you there. First uh, his debut. Uh counterattacking could give Tottenham some trouble next week. A little mm-hmm. bit of trouble. Uh, James Madison's also healthy now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Don't like that for a Spurs fan. Don't. Because no. he's actually been good. for uh, mm-hmm. As bad as Leicester's season has been, he has been good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Villa, I don't know. Whatever. It was, uh, I, I did watch the end of this game. This game was lights out. It was super entertaining. It was wide open. Great game for the neutral. But yeah, Villa, I mean, Villa will be I mean, fine. They, they, they made a lot been, of mistakes They've in this been game. fine under Emery. Yeah, I think this this bad game yep. i mean one off whatever. uh brentford three southampton no this has not been a one-off for brentford though brentford have been Seventh really place. really good this season really mm-hmm. really good i mean they're interesting to watch tactically interesting because yes. they're really direct but people associate that with like being defensive and hook playing long ball they're not defensive well, they're pragmatic, and but they always have like four people in the box. It's kind of insane. So for a pragmatic team to put that many bodies forward, you don't really see it that often. And they just play in the strengths because they're great in the air. And they just ripped Southampton to shreds. My uh, namesake Jensen getting on the score sheet too as well. So Ivan Tony, like I, who knows if he'll get banned? That might affect them. But great season regardless for Brentford. Are they the anti-Chelsea in that they have like two strikers and <laughs> Chelsea have nil? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Brentford, joy to watch. Seventh place. 
next games for Brentford at Arsenal. Mm. Be kind of entertaining. Arsenal. Arsenal off a seems loss, to struggle Brentford. with Brentford. Yeah, the physicality. Yeah, could Arsenal be, are more physical. Saying days, could be but... a good seven a.m. game. That could be one you want to turn on. Just wow. saying. Spurs fans in here probably probably will turn that one on. <laughs> Brighton won Bournemouth nil. This is actually a more of a struggle bus game for Brighton in recent weeks. But again, like Brentford, Brighton are in sixth place. Crazy. And they have two games in hand on Tottenham. So yes, they could have jumped them. But as I expect them to get even, they're going to be really close to Tottenham, maybe a point yeah. or two behind. That's I'm, crazy. I mean, if they win their two games in hand, they jump they, Spurs. They jump, which I don't know. I mean, but I don't think that'll happen either, but you never know. But they'll win one. I think they'll win one for sure. So also uh, another week, another uh, Kauro Matoma um, love hour. God, this mm-hmm. Japanese wide player. He's so good. Scored in the 89th minute this time. He, this guy, he he's like the Almiron of the second half of the season. You know what I mean? Do you, think could get to you. you think Brighton could finish in a European place? Yeah, I do. I think Brighton yeah, could be a ma- also. I mean, I think Brighton has a better, I think Brighton's better, but like, yeah, it's a massive achievement for that club to even go to conference league. Yep. But they can have I a just, real Europa league chance too, Brighton. Can, can I just say the, the, the recruitment at Brighton, <sighs> like Bravo, you know what I mean? I just, insanely like just conveyor belt of talent losing trossard eh, nothing you know what i mean over three years ago we hated this team more than any other team in our first year of the pod we the so, ogs know we hated brighton we so hated dull them. to watch under chris hewton <laughs> terrible to watch nil nil or lose one nil every game things could not be further bl- from that now <laughs> in our old segment where we blasted teams to outer space. We still do that from time to time, but we used to do that every week. We blasted them almost weekly. Yeah. Awful, <laughs> awful to watch. I mean, their, their, their Jersey was like their one saving grace, but yeah, how things have turned around and, and now under Deserby, they're scoring the good, they're, they're scoring. scoring from the good. They were great to watch under Potter, but they just didn't have that cutting edge. Uh, Deserby's brought that cutting edge. So Brighton has 16 more goals than Chelsea this season in one last game. Wow. So, you know, Brighton's manager went to Chelsea. I don't, I don't, I don't know. If there's a correlation. I don't know. Just saying. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I expect them to fight for Europe until the rest of the season, which just massive for that club. So that's I think really- of all the smaller clubs, that's who, I mean, I could see Villa creeping in there as well. Cause I think they're on a, uh, yes, they lost, but like, um, They've been good under Emery, but I'm yeah, with you, man. I, I think Brighton is the team that has the most ability and is also in the best form out of all of these. And they 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 have Caicedo till the summer. Yeah. So, I mean, yep. came mm-hmm. off the bench. Uh, United 2, Crystal Palace 1, Casemiro red card at the end of this game. Yeah, stupid. The, they have two Leeds games back-to-back, United. They play Leeds like, within the span of four days. Really weird schedule how that turned out, but... Could hurt them against Leeds. New manager bounce? I don't know. We'll I don't see. know if they'll have a new manager by yeah, Wednesday. But yeah, yeah uh, I don't know. This scoreline in this game does not really reflect how the game actually went. I mean, it was actually pretty cool and casual and easy for United. Look, United are what? Two points behind City now? Three, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, I mean, I the, mean, the narrative. I mean, they've been storming back. Yeah. 
it's weird to say of a United team because they're never quiet because they get all the attention in the world and all that. But like, Oh, here they've we had go. a they've had a quietly, I would say a quietly very impressive season. Oh yeah, I mean Marcus Rashford. I mean we all know On the fire. form that he's in. Yeah. I mean, you we keep saying how long is he? Can he keep it up? And he keeps keeping it up. So it's like, all right, is this just how it's going to be for the rest of the season? I don't know, but. If there's ever a United player that I would be okay with hitting form like this, it's Rashford. I mean, seems like Love a the great guy. person. So yeah. that's no question. I mean, even hell, Bruno's been playing well a lot He has recently been playing well. too. So gotta give Us credit where and, credit's and due. Sabitzer looked pretty good on his debut and in, in, in a place of Ericsson. I gotta say he had some good interplay. So Yeah, I, how I much think time they made how much some time did he get? You got ten minutes. I'm I'm curious to Oh, see. it was just ten minutes, never mind. I must have just seen the end of the game. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm I'm curious to see more for sure. Palace, they've been kind of booty for a while now. Um not like concerning level of booty, just like, you know, Palace is just gonna be, you know, not they're not gonna finish above 10. They'll be in that probably that 15 to 11 range, you know, and just that's probably lower, probably 14, 13. And that's just where they're gonna be. Patrick Vieira is nowhere on the radar of the Romanometer, right? I don't think he Oh is, God, but that'd be so stupid. I mean, they're not scoring goals though, to be fair. I mean, Palace have really struggled to score goals. Their defense is actually not terrible. It's be- it's like not good, but not to- they're they've had yeah. 19 goals this season, Palace. It's not good. Yeah. Yeah. For all the attackers they seem to have. Yeah, they have many and many So strikers who are promising when they were purchased, but like Otson at Edward just has not really shown me much. no. There's a lot of hype with him from Celtic. So yeah. Yeah, uh, Newcastle won, West Ham won. Actually, big game. Yep. Big clubs, too, uh, this this week. And here we go. I, I just sense the energy on the other side of the Zoom call where you're just like, eh, I told you, Newcastle <laughs> suck. They're overrated. I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but well, like I've kept saying, it's a long season. Need to see more from Newcastle, and they're struggling to score goals, and <laughs> Look, I, I I love watching Almiron, but like that form was unsustainable. Granted, Alexander Isak is coming back, and so is Saint Maximan. I think this is like Saint He Maximan's started this first game. first Yeah. start. So like, yes, they're struggling to score goals for the now, but like these are really promising signs for Newcastle. But I gotta say, like, I mean, so much of it depends on Spurs and if Chelsea come back in the picture, but um. Like I think Newcastle is good enough. If Spurs continue to disappoint and Chelsea's still very whatever, then Newcastle can ride out an indifferent second half of the season and still finish top four. But the gap is not that big. It's what one point now. Newcastle's game in hand on Tottenham, but One point game in hand, yes. yeah, just saying. What's impressed me about Newcastle is the way that they can hold on to the ball in possession. Yeah, it's like a totally different part of their game under Eddie Howe, which Without they did Bruno not do. Gimaraes, this game too. Right, it's a big loss. He's out for the next two, I believe, with the suspension. Right, so um, their next two games. Oh, they play at Bournemouth next week. Win, uh, and then they host Liverpool. Oh boy. That's an intriguing game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, Newcastle, I'm not worried about Newcastle. Just I mean, uh... not going to Bournemouth, you're not, because Bournemouth haven't done anything in a very long time. yeah. Solanke <laughs> hat trick incoming. right. Now that I said that, I know. Uh, and then we covered this one a little bit. Nottingham won, Leeds nil. I mean, this is a game, as we said, Leeds didn't even play that bad. I mean, they had 
especially the this first half specifically is what I'm talking about. They had numerous chances. The second half, I thought they were booty hole. Cause I watched this whole game. They were yeah, it wasn't a great game. Um, I, I mean, you watched the whole game, but from what I saw in the extended highlights, Leeds looked the better team. I they mean, were look, better. They were better. Great, great sure. goal by Brendan Johnson. Uh, great technique on the volley. Um, Kaylor Navas, though. <laughs> I can't believe Kaylor Navas plays for Nottingham Forest. <laughs> Isn't that the weirdest that. thing ever? It's bizarre. I mean... But like, what a debut. And I, I like the idea. If, if Henderson's hurt, I like the idea of sprinkling a little bit of veteran stardust on this Forest team. And I, I feel better about Forest now than I did at the start of the season when they signed 21 players or whatever. Now it's 30. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah, funny. Andre Ayu made his first appearance. Yay, Swansea legend, 90th right. minute. He got onto the onto the field. You love to see it. Isn't it weird for you seeing Sorge Aurier back in the Premier League? Is that like weird at all or no? No. Like at Nottingham? No. I mean, I you know, it was weird when they released him at the time playing a back four, or not weird at the time playing a back four, and I was over him. But as soon as we switched to back five and watching Emerson for like 18 months, I'm like, you know, Aurier actually is suited to the system. <laughs> so, hey, he's been pretty decent for Forrest, not going to lie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nico Williams out of the team. All right, well, I think that's the quickest we could have done, that podcast. Yeah, it was a beefer, but... Uh, we could have talked about many topics for much longer. We're at like a minute 15, which, all things considered, isn't, isn't terrible. That's not terrible. So upcoming week, what do we got? Let's see. I was on the Brighton schedule and somehow FOTMOB is keeping me in the Brighton schedule. So give me a second, unless you have it in front of you. Here, I got it. Match week 23. Uh, oh, you got a London Derby. Uh, you, you have multiple London Derbies, actually. Um, West Ham hosts Chelsea. Mm, that's the 4.30 a.m. Pacific it's game. Not going to be game. watching that, but highlights. Two teams in bad form who aren't scoring goals. So Probably nil, nil. a great watch. Uh Arsenal hosts Brentford. Good intriguing. game. Wake up for that. Um, I think there are going to be goals in Leicester Tottenham. Leicester mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. Well, Tottenham, you, you never know. Um, Leeds United, historic rivalry that goes back like 50 years. Leeds, who knows the law of manager, 6 a.m. unfortunately, Sunday on the West Coast. Here's the thing. They play Wednesday, too, at, uh, at Trafford. So they go to United on Wednesday, wow. and they host them on Sunday. So it's like in the Premier League both times. It's weird. Bizarre. Uh, City-Aston Villa could be a good game. Son- actually, that with City's form, that's actually that very intriguing. Be, yeah. Um, biggest rivalry, <laughs> probably the, yeah, the biggest game, a weird game, is actually on Monday. Liverpool-Everton, Merseyside Derby. Oh wow! With Liverpool's form and how Everton under Sean Dyche one and zero at Anfield, I'm gonna say it right now. I think Everton are gonna win this game. Oh my God! Can you imagine? Everton are gonna be like, it's like this is a great opportunity. Sean Dyche is gonna find a way to like rile them up by, I don't know. I I, I, know, I I can't I can't commit to that. But if that happens, wow. Well, and when was the last time Everton beat Liverpool? Like, I, I can't remember because Liverpool's been insane for five years. I, I, you know, my dad will hate me for saying this, but I think Everton are going to win that at Anfield. Yeah. I, 
I don't think I will ever predict an Everton win at Anfield in my life. So not going there. I think they will lose. But if this happens, man, people are going to be, oof. Mm-hmm. Heads are going to be rolling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Liverpool come out with a little bit of a changed lineup. They can't, Klopp even mm-hmm. said as much, so we'll see. But lots of intriguing matchups next weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I wish a lot of the big games weren't so early, but such yeah. is life. Super Bowl Sunday, Chiefs or Eagles, Kyle? Oh, Eagles for me. Eagles? Mm-hmm. Are you a Philly guy? I admire the Philly ethos, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, see, I think they're the scum of the earth. I kind of, it's kind of why, you know, kind of why I like them. I don't know. I think it's funny, you know, maybe I just associated with it's always sunny in Philadelphia or something, but like, I don't know, these hated on cities that have these rowdy ass fans. I don't know. I'm about it. And plus the chiefs have been good for so long. I'm, I'm over it, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's gonna be a good game. I just uh, in terms get- of entertainment value though, like this, these are probably the two most uh, offensive attacking teams in a super bowl i can remember in a long time should be an entertaining game yeah two really good teams so all right well have a safe weekend enjoy the super bowl enjoy leeds united twice against manchester united (laughs) is that possible (laughs) and i think i know it's at the same time as your club kyle but that arsenal brentford game yes it could be the watch of the week all right stay safe we'll see you next week covering all the games Till next time.